0: to the undead wookie podcast episode 75 maniac from 2012 the undead wookie is a fortnightly ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the undead wookie our nerdiness knows no bounds hello and welcome back and like i said we are going to be talking about maniac from 2012 now before i introduce my very very special guests uh, i just want to mention that if you hear a slight whirring noise in the background it is because it is absolutely boiling where i'm recording and i can't have the window open so i have got a fan on very very low so i do apologize for that but otherwise i'm melting so um, i'm suffering for the show anyway before i introduce my very special co-host on this episode let's check out the trailer
1: So, what do you do? Are you an artist? I don't know about all that. Maybe you can tell me. I have a surprise for you! Please! Help me! Please don't scream. You're so beautiful. It's amazing. I love them. Sometimes I think that they have more personality than most people.
2: So what does your girlfriend think of your work?
1: I don't have a girlfriend. Lonely. That's that's why I was calling. You and Anna are a perfect fit. You know, hair is the only part of the body that lasts forever. Why are you scared? What? <laughs> they will never understand. As long as you keep a secret. But if you can't. You'll be alone. You hear that? (laughs) A lot of you. (laughs) (laughs) Alone.
0: Back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined once again by the Queen of Extreme, the one, the only. She is locked and loaded. It's a good start, isn't it? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Zobo with a shotgun. Hello, Zobo. How are we doing? Hello, thank you for having me back. I'm very good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. And I love the fact we keep the pretense, as always, that we haven't had a good conversation before we started.
2: I know. It's all of uh, it's the smoke and mirrors of making podcasts, it isn't is. it?
0: It is. I, yes. Sometimes it's nice to just peek behind the curtain and see what the wizard is really doing. So... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know well, where we're going um, already. So many different ways. <laughs> yeah, that was a strange one, even for me. Okay. So we are talking maniac. But we're not talking maniac from nineteen eighty. We are talking maniac from two thousand and twelve, the remake. Wow, yeah, bold choices. And I think, very similar to our last episode where we looked at the remake for Hills of Eyes, again, another Alexander Aja film. Didn't didn't really click until I so, so, sort of watched it again. Uh, but there's two Alexander Aja films on the bounce now. But again, I think we're about to make some rather controversial statements in some people's eyes. Yeah, I think I actually
2: didn't realise um, it was Alexandra Aja either uh, until I did some, you know, Googling, as you do. And, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So I guess we've got a running theme of something that we like. But, yeah, another, like you mentioned, another remake, which I think um, I'm very happy that we're talking about the remake and not the – was it 1978, you said? I think 1980. Um,
0: 1980. 1980. I'm sure it's that... 1980. I'll, you know, I, I only wish that there was some kind of um... – you know, internet movie database in which we could sort of check these things, but um you
2: no, know, you know, we're just living in times where you you just got to know these things off the top of your head. It's yes, tough.
0: <laughs> tough times, tough times. No, it's nineteen eighty. It is nineteen eighty. Yeah. So, uh where did you come across this one first of all? Um, I came across
2: this. So I. I uh, many many years ago I kind of fell in love with um, Elijah Wood as a an actor just I guess it probably stemmed from Lord of the Rings to be honest and I can't remember what I was doing at the time it was quite I think I I must have watched it when it came out actually Mm. um, because I remember watching it in my friend's back garden we set up a projector Um, so I think I was just you know probably just researched online, saw it come up, saw that it had Elijah Wood in and I was like, yep, sign me up. And um, yeah, the first time we watched it, we watched it in my friend's house, we watched it in the garden, like I said, on the projector. Um, and I actually didn't get to see the last 10 minutes of it because funny story I have very bad phobia of spiders oh, and no. a big spider climbed down into my lap and I luckily lived very closely to me I ran home. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I had like a panic attack and ran home and was like, fuck this, I'm going. And yeah, so I didn't see the last 10 minutes, but I knew that I'd loved what I'd seen so so far. So that was kind of the first instance. And then, of course, you know, I was like, well, I guess I better actually watch it again. And I think the second time I was like, holy fuck, this is one of the most amazing remakes and films I've ever seen.
0: Um, when was what was your first time with it? Do you know what I sort of? I missed it completely when it first came out. I completely missed it. I don't know how, um, but it was just one of those. Th- I just had a complete sort of sort of blank spot for it. Just just didn't. And then yeah. uh, I was. Um, I think it was a, like a like a Friday night or something. Just sort of flicking through during the, like the summer holidays, um, and. My wife and my mother-in-law were actually in London. They went. They just went. They they went for a good couple of days there to do some shopping and everything else. And uh, I was sort of flicking through, and I came across it on Netflix. And um, it was just like, how have I not seen this? Because obviously I'd seen the original. I yeah. Enjoyed the original, um, but like this was just it. Sort of blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. And I sort of, um, I like Elijah Wood. I really do. I think he's a really underrated actor and yeah. i think sort of for him of course he was a child actor um which is is, is a blessing and a curse and then obviously <laughs> he becomes you know chief hobbit or hobbit yeah. in charge um in some like really little films um i think there were three of them and um i don't know did you ever catch them
2: Mm, not sure they were. They weren't really that well known, were they? No,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, again, it's that idea. You know, this is a guy. You know, he's carrying sort of two fairly hefty bags on his back here. You know, he's got that the yeah. child actor, and then he's got potentially one of the greatest trilogies in cinema um, on his back, and one of, and not only is it one of the greatest trilogies, but also that sort of. Um, the greatest piece of what are some of the greatest pieces of literature on his back, and someone, yeah. you know one of the, you know the biggest characters ever. Um You know he's and he's got those on his you know that he's got to carry with him, and then he pops up in in this playing you know and I mean I'd seen him in um, Sin City where because he you know he, he did creepy really really well there. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, um, but here he's playing this. you know it's all you know he's in a film that sort of straddles um sort of that sort of exploitation cinema uh, with art house and it walks a very 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 fine line and he is absolutely superb and everything is done obviously you know this is the, the, the the main difference between this and you know the original is that this is obviously all from his point of view
2: yeah and i think um you know speaking of elijah wood he had do you know what he's one of those actors that has funnily enough like you said he's obviously got these huge bags upon his shoulders and ever since then he's i find him an actor that stars in films that he clearly wants to do you know he didn't go on to just do big Hollywood films everything he's gone on to do has been quite quite kind of small underrated films um he was even recently in come to daddy which again is a, a very kind of I mean it's horror comedy it's quite small it's not going to be that well known in terms of the realm of film but absolutely amazing and I do think he's an actor where he pays a lot of attention to the role to who's attached to it and makes a decision not based on, is this going to make a lot of money? Is a lot of people going to see it of him going, actually, I think this is a really cool project. And, you know, I think he must have thought that with Maniac. And like you said, you, I mean, this film often gets mentioned as a slasher and I'm not a slasher film fan. And to me, this is not a slasher film. Like you said, it's an exploitation art house because it's it's really, really nasty to yes. watch. And that's coming yeah. from someone that likes nasty. I actually find this at times like cringy to watch. It's so I wanted to use the word in your face, but you are the face like yes. you. It, you know like you said it's your your his point of view you're almost forced to do the horrific things he's doing um and i think that is why this is it's such a clever way to do the film Absolutely. and such a good remake because it's not
0: a like for like remake no no there's this wonderful nods in it to the yeah. original um but i think you know you could try. I don't think it's fair to do a, um, you know, an apples for apples kind of uh, comparison between the two of them, because although the I think the original is its own, it, it, it's it's its own piece of work. It is it it it, yes. it sits it sits wonderfully on its own, and it's got great moments in it. Uh, you know, famously, it's got the exploding head with the from the shotgun blast. Um, And you've got, um, you know, and it's directed um, by William Lustig, who is a brilliant, is is a great genre director. And, of course, he gave us the wonderful Maniac Cop. But there's still, um, I think there's there's issues with that film. Um, I don't think it's a perfect film in any way, shape or form. Um, And I think sometimes I think people can be a little bit contrite um, when it comes to like remakes and i think i'm gonna just get it out there now I'm gonna say it now so you it's can, time you can get your pitchforks <laughs> and your torches ready i think the 2012 remake is quite well it is in my you know my very very humble opinion um a better film it's an all-round better film yeah um, i i mean i'm i'm
2: absolutely 100 percent with you on that like i I think there's some merit in the the original film, but personally it's I don't particularly like it. It does feel more like a generic slasher that gets lost within the mix of many films that are, are quite similar um yeah. from that era. Whereas I think, you know, this film it it's just I think it's honestly like um, you know, I've seen it so many times now. And I love it every single time. It's the pacing of it is so good. It's got a consistency of things happening. you know the way it's shot, and yeah, I I agree. I think, and like you said, maybe we're gonna get slaughtered for this, but yeah, a hundred percent, the remake is a far far superior film. Um, it's, it's much more intelligent filmmaking. I yes.
0: think. Yes. Yeah. It is. It is. Now, for those of uh, those of you who haven't seen it and are unaware of the story, how would you sum up the story, Zobo? How would you uh, How would you give a brief summary of the plot? It's quite
2: simple. Uh, We follow Frank, who's a a timid fellow, I would say. Um, And by day, he seems very sweet and lovely. But by night, he stalks women um, and scalps them to add to his collection of mannequins which he talks to and they seem to be very real to him and this all stems from um, him having mummy issues because his mother was a a prostitute who often fucked men in front of him uh, which yes I think obviously causes a lot of problems. in, in his later life.
0: Yes, yes. I think that that is possibly the best summary ever. It's far better than the IMDb <laughs> one. Um, but and again, you know, it, it, like we said, we've said it stars uh, Elijah Wood as Frank. Um, it stars uh, Nora Anazida? Anazida? Is yeah,
2: I think it's, it's it? Anazida.
0: Uh, yeah. America uh, Olivio, um, Megan Duffy, uh, Brian Amos, Genevieve Alexandra. Um, Leanne Balban, uh, Jan Boberg Aaron Coleman, and a host of others. But, you know, it was also directed by uh, Frank Kaufman uh, and written by Alexander Aja and uh, Gregory Levasseur. Levasseur? I think so. Levasseur. Um, and, you know, this is, like we said, it's the remake of the original 1980 Maniac. Um... But this is a completely different beast altogether. It is a completely different beast um this is a deeply deeply disturbing film it yeah, I mean
2: it's I think one of the reasons it's it is so disturbing is I think you know the people that are attached to it um I think Frank uh Kaufman he directed High Tension um yes. also known as Switchblade Romance I think it's also got another name as well yes. and of course you've got Alexandra Adger who did um Mart- was it Martyrs uh yes. yeah, yeah 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 Martyrs um and you know he did The Hills Have Eyes and I think they bring to Maniac which is of course wouldn't have been in the 80s version. They bring to Maniac that new French extremity. Um, You can feel it within what they do. It's very kind of stylish, but it focuses a lot on violence and gore and being really in your face and making you confront a lot of different things within the film, which is why I think it's far more interesting than the 80s version because because they present it with that you know first person point of view you almost becoming frank you do have to confront your own problems with the way he is towards women um you know the things that he does the violence he inflicts and it does you know the whole time you're watching it it feels like you are the person committing these crimes, yeah. which makes it yeah. feel way worse than a lot of other horror films that exist out there.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think there's that. I think Tarantino talked about it when he was um, when people sort of discussed the violence in Reservoir Dogs and the torture scene in Reservoir Dogs, and you get that sort of you know it's a it's a different different sort of uh, of a completely different sort of setup in terms of of genre and those kind of things. But in terms of looking at on screen violence and extreme on screen violence, <clears throat> it's that idea of you've got in Reservoir Dogs you've got a character who's dancing and he's you know, he's doing a bit of dad dancing and it's a bit of a silly song that's playing and then suddenly we get BAM you get that violence. But you were drawn in. You were drawn yeah. in by that. And by being drawn into it and laughing and going along with it and thinking, oh what the hell, you know, this isn't it you are suddenly the accomplice in that act, and I think Maniac takes that to the next level completely. From the point, of the fact that you see everything through Frank's eyes, and you see the you see everything in detail. It, it doesn't shy away from it. It doesn't pull any punches. You see the act of violence that he commits, and Elijah Elijah Wood's performance in this is just superb. It is absolutely superb. Um, you know, the,
2: oh, he's 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 like horrific in this, but like good horrific.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of the most, I think it is one of the most excruciatingly painful scenes, is the date that he goes on. Yes,
2: yeah, it's well, it's you know the way he is, you can tell. Just how, I mean, I think it is a really good character study in the fact that it also combines, you know, I was thinking about it also combines a lot of psychological elements because you really begin to understand Frank as a person and his problems. And I always found through the entirety of the film, I don't hate Frank. I feel really sorry for him yeah um and I think it's also you know because we are kind of in his shoes and like you said you go on he goes on the date and he's really he's very awkward he's not very sociable and in some ways you kind of want him to have a successful date and have a nice time and have all of those things because you know that he's come from a back like a bad background but at the same time then The you know then he starts being a bit creepy you see her facial reactions and it's so you know kind of like in time where you're just there experiencing this um and I love as well that you know during that scene uh he kind of looks up at the mirror so you only ever see for anyone that hasn't seen Maniac, you only ever see Frank now and again through reflections in the mirror, caught in a window. And it's when you look up and, you know, you're almost looking at him through the eyes of him yet yourself. You kind of go, oh, God, you know, this guy is, he's, I don't know, there's something about seeing that reflection where it all becomes very real and you go, oh, God, he's awful, he's evil, this is very bad. Whereas when you are... You know, in his point of view, you're kind of going, oh, well, I can understand why, you know, because you're going, well, it's it's almost me doing it. So
0: I'd, I'd make an excuse. Yeah. And there's a brilliant book. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I picked it up. I think I picked it up from like the works. Um, it's a book called Talking with Psychopaths and Savages uh, by Christopher, Christopher Christopher Berry D. Christopher Berry D, who is a psychologist who spent a lot spent you know, most spent most of his career interviewing um psychopaths and serial you know, and serial killers and has spent time with the worst of the worst. And when in, in his book he talks about the sort of the psychosexual element, um two so two psychopaths and murderers and you know and it's Elijah Wood's performance in this is so accurate and yeah. so terrifying. Um, you know, this, in when he's on that date and when she takes him, when he goes back to her place and she starts sort of trying to seduce him and she sees that he's nervous and she thinks it's nervous because she's trying to seduce him. It's actually not. It's because actually he's gearing up to kill her. And yeah, and that that sort of it's that you can it's like, you know, the train is coming, but you can't get off the tracks. And yeah. it's, it's just it, it is just it's it, you know, it is the, it is the quintessential car crash. It's, it's you know, it's going it, to it's come in and there's nothing that anybody can do about it. And yet we still watch it. We still mm-hmm. watch that moment. And it's and its performance is so real is so real it's it, it is a it's an amazing it's fantastic scene fantastic yeah. scene
2: his um i mean i think there's there's that scene there's quite a few scenes where you know i think the way he is like you were saying is perfect to many of the you know very realistic tropes that happen with serial killers um you know i i've listen to a lot of murder podcasts and as as you were kind of saying they often seem timid and shy and very nervous kind of people which is why you know they obviously can draw in some people much easier yeah. um and and elijah would portrays that so well that kind of you know feels it's almost like a feel sorry for me Act well, well, in a way yeah, which and I mean, draws them in. If you look
0: at like, there's a brilliant line as well when she goes on that date where she says, "Oh, I thought you were going to be fat and sweaty with with acne," which is quite harsh, really. Yeah, it's, it's describing you know, it's essentially a description of the original Frank Zito uh in Maniac from 1980. And if you saw, um, you know, you saw you saw Frank Zito in the original, I mean, you would kind of. <laughs> You'd, you'd kind of give him a bit of a wide berth because he's creepy. He's yeah. really, really, really creepy. And I mean, um, Joe Spinell is a great actor, and most people remember him from the Rocky films and from um, the Godfather Part Two. He's a great, great character actor. Sadly, no longer with us. Um, but you'd see him, and he's all sweaty, and he's he, he's he's just a ming. You would you would <laughs> do you know what I mean? You could almost smell him. Yeah off the screen and he's just really creepy but when you see elijah wood you know elijah wood is this sort of winnicky, um quiet uh nervous little guy who you you know doesn't really pose you don't think poses that kind of threat um, no not at all you know and you wouldn't accept it, you know to, to be carrying this massive like hunting knife underneath his coat um yeah And I think that's what makes it so dangerous.
2: Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I really liked about the remake is, you know, the casting that they did, because I think, you know, in the 80s one, to me, his character, as you said, it's quite an obvious like oh yeah he would be a serial killer or oh yeah he'd be a creep he looks like a creep it also feels very sleazy um as a film like I think as a a female watching the 80s one I kind of go it's you know it's a bit like ooh gives me kind of you know a cringy feeling whereas they cast a lighter wood who is in you know I of course, I'm very biased. I do really, really love him um, as an actor. I think he's, you know, so I, I do, you know, love him very much. But <clears throat> in Maniac, you I wouldn't look at him and, you know, immediately presume he's a creep. I would, he actually looks like a pretty down-to-earth, sweet, nice kind of guy, which in some ways he is. But one thing that I do really love about the Maniac remake is that it never has that sleaziness to it. No. Even though he goes around killing women and scalping them, and yes, there's some hints to sexual elements there, it's not really. It's far more embedded in him about his mother. It's, you know, we never actually...
0: It's revenge. Yeah,
2: Yeah, we never actually see him. I think there's a couple of glances to... um, you know women's bodies and you know of course on the date he he does grab her breasts but she is You know, it's not him forcefully doing it. She is going touch me. I want to be with you. And I think that for me gives Maniac a a much higher kind of sense because I'm not watching it going, oh yeah, he's just this sleazy guy that wants to kill women because he, you know, wants to sleep with them. It's it's far away from that. And you know, I think Elijah Wood when he does his delivery you can see that he never intended to be a creep
0: yeah yeah and i mean what's what's really interesting i mean obviously he gave his performance live on on set and then all yeah. of his dialogue was recorded um, afterwards um yeah. which again adds that adds another it's quite a, you know adds a different layer to it because it feels so real it doesn't feel removed at all it feels like it's there and it's happening at that moment in time, it doesn't feel like somebody has recorded it afterwards, um, which you get sometimes uh, with sort of ADR. But I think you know, in this, his you know his performance is incredible, and you, I think the scene where he hunts the dancer is yes. um, through the through the train station through the train right? station, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's a. I think the best way to describe it is a hunt yeah he hunts her he tracks her he follows her and then he hunts her and then you've got um you know you get that you get the again you get the nod with the reflection where he's holding the scalp um in the car but again that scene is 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 so real
2: and it's so real it's terrifying it's You know, it's actually really quite horrific watching. And this is another part I love about is watching the actresses, their facial expressions and their fear. I think it's a film where you really feel the fear of the women that he's chasing. And in that, you know, in that scene, like you said, it is. It's a hunt. He is hunting her. And you can, you know, by being in that point of view, you can really feel the terror that emanates from her and just how, you know, she is going to do everything to get away and how it's kind of, you know, Frank has this, you know, it's, it's a need, like he has to get her, he has to have her and he's not going to stop at any cost. And she's so frightened. And I don't think it's, easy to get that kind of fear on screen no um I no. think you know we see so many horror films and you go yeah well you know they're screaming and they're running but they don't seem that that frightened whereas in this you know that fear is it's you can kind of you can almost feel the fear coming through the screen into your body which I think is you know is very powerful oh
0: yeah and I mean it's also got one of the one th- one of the one of the sort of injury esque type of things that always always make me wince is somebody's Achilles being slashed.
2: Yeah, that's uh, yeah.
0: That I think everyone has a problem with now, Achilles being slashed. It's... Having been present when somebody's Achilles has gone, Ooh. Um, it sounds like a gun going off. Oh. Um, you know, I, you know, and somebody, you know, I remember playing rugby and somebody started a sprint and suddenly you hear this like bang and everybody stopped. And then this body is like on a heap on the floor and can't move <sighs> ever since. And like, you know, again, the other great one is the pencil in the evil death. <laughs> yeah. But the Achilles slash is just like, oh my God. Oh, and the fact she's a dancer as well. It's because it never yeah. heal It never you never recover from that. It's like, oh my god, this is horrific. This is yeah. absolutely horrific. And because it is from Frank's point of view, you got no, there's no escape. No, there's no can't... let up in it.
2: Yeah, well, the, the, that's the thing, isn't it? In the violence in the whole film is you can't. You know, in a lot lot of films. You kind of see like off screen violence, don't you? And yes, you know what's happening, but you kind of go, Oh, well, I'm not gonna, you don't fully see it because they, you know, they pan away or you're far away. So you can almost, I think you can almost remove yourself from yeah. that violence. Yeah. Whereas with this one, it's, you know, like when he's, um, I think at the very beginning of the film, when he scalps the first girl, yes. It's you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how far back you go on the sofa, you know, and you turn to the side <laughs> not to look at it. You're like, no, no, I'm still there. I am scalping a female right now. And it's just it's such an immersive way to look at violence that we don't often see it in that way. And yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I think actually, as a horror fan, it's quite important to watch Maniac because, you know, we all go, oh, we love gore, we love violence, we love seeing these sick things. But then you watch Maniac and I go, hmm, I do actually have a problem with a lot of that. It's pretty
0: nasty, isn't it? And 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 if you think about violence in general in cinema, I think cinema overall has become more violent. Yeah. And violence has become almost sort of... Um, what it has is become comic book violence. You know, all you need to do is look at the Avengers movie, and you look at just because it's a robot getting its head ripped off, still somebody ripping somebody's head off. It's still yeah. somebody getting chopped in half. It's still, you know, there is still somebody firing a gun at bodies, and those bodies are being ripped to pieces by gunfire and we kind of go oh that's so cool that's way hey, wow and then you come to something like this where you are faced like you said with somebody being scalped and you see it up close and personal it's yeah. it does make it it does make you um it does sort of make you question it it does leave more questions than answers it does and i think it's i do
2: i, I think it's quite good though to like confront it as as people that like well (laughs) that's the thing as people that say that we like violence you know and get a kick out of watching it. I think it's quite um you know of some importance to now and again confront it in that thing and go actually no that kind of violence is not very nice and if I was committing it I would not be committing it because I don't like it I think it's it almost reminds you of how violent violence is and how much we actually don't like it, even though we watch those kinds of films.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is, you know, and this is where it does sort of tread the art house exploitation line very, very well is that it asks the questions, but at no point do you think, oh God, this is a bit pretentious. No. It asks the question and it doesn't, and it treats you like an adult. It doesn't give you the answer.
2: Yeah, it it knows that you are an intelligent enough viewer to go away afterwards and come to your own conclusion. Um, and like you said, it, it never feels pretentious, never. It's not, you know, oh, how can we include 12 different meanings and make the audience think, feel and do this? It just kind of goes, here it is, take it away do with it what you want and that's and that's your answer
0: yeah Yeah. and I mean even down to like where we get the introduction of um Anna uh where she's the photographer uh who becomes sort of Frank's main obsession where she's taking the pictures of his mannequins um and then she comes into even that is sort of like oh no no don't do that don't 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 take those pictures (laughs) really yeah. don't take those pictures don't be lulled in don't because even though you get sort of frank's um nervousness and we at that point have established that actually it it, it it's you know this is somebody who could be sort of you know who's clearly clearly mentally ill and is a real danger but again it's being lulled in it's the spider sort of almost drawing somebody into the web and from that moment on you know it's not going to end well no and you know
2: it's it see at those points as well i kind of <clears throat> i almost feel sad because i'm like there's such a potential for you know because i think when we think of serial killers we see them as these monstrous characters that could never function in society or have a relationship which is you know as we've seen from serial killers like ted bundy that's yep. that's not not true at all actually a lot of them are very unsuspecting people that do naturally drawing women or or men or you know whatever their victim might be they easily draw them in and you know frank he's he's not a gross character or anything and he draws anna in and anna's a beautiful intelligent young girl who actually wants to spend time with him yeah
0: absolutely absolutely and the scene where you know when he and when he he arrives at her at, at her show in and people are not very nice to him. Yeah, uh, and particularly uh, is it Rita? Rita's the is the is the she's is the her agent. agent agent. Yeah, where Frank takes it out on Rita and breaks into her apartment, ties her up, and then scalps her alive.
2: Be- this is this is actually probably my favourite scene in the entire <laughs> movie. I think. <laughs> Because there's something, there's something almost, I almost want him, here's the problem is that I almost want him to kill her because she is, she's a bit of a bitch to him. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, she doesn't actually deserve that. Um, And I think for me, the bath scene, so he obviously, he enters her house, and she's having a bath with classical music on, very unsuspecting. She's got, I think, a flannel or something on her eyes with a yeah. glass of wine. Yeah. And, and he's And just... he moves it closer to her. Yeah. And. Which... Oh. oh, yeah. It, honestly, I remember oh. the first time I saw it, I was like, I could vomit. It's so frightening. And I, I don't think, I mean, I don't have a bath in my house anymore, thank fuck. <laughs> but it is terrifying. I was like, can you imagine? You're just in the bath. And there he is. He's just standing over and she she has no clue at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing as well, it's that idea that it's she's not some like 18 year old uh, college co-ed kind of. um, And it's it's not done in any kind of salacious way. This is like a real person. And it is it's shown in all you know, is very, very it's you know, it's tastefully done, but it's still a very, very real and shocking scene. It um, is.
2: It's so brutal. And I think correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's one of the only times in the film where the camera actually shows us it breaks. Frank. It breaks.
0: It it breaks because I think what it does is, and I think in some ways you could look at it two ways. I mean, from a filmmaking point of view, they probably thought, well, the only way we can really do this is if we want to sort of is break, is break that sort of first that first that point of view, the POV. But actually, it's almost because Frank works himself into such a rage, it is that psychotic break for him. It's that sort of spiraling moment for him, where he, you know, he is now sort of. uh, I'm going to use my sort of criminal minds uh, b- moment because I've watched a ridiculous bit <laughs> of that, is where he is escalating. Yeah. That, that he's sort of gone escalation. From,
2: well, he's gone from his typical pattern, hasn't he, yeah. of, you know, stalking women, you know, maybe waiting a bit of time, but to then, and it's, and I, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's from that point where it starts to, everything around him gets worse and his mental state becomes you know, he he. it's like he can't control himself anymore.
0: No, no. And it's that sort of like, it is the, you know, he, it's that sort of, and, and if you think about it from like the build up from this, it's that rage of him being sort of almost emasculated in front of Anna um, by a number of people, in the, you know, at the show in. And then he's got this older woman that represents his mother. Yeah. Uh, who has once again emasculated him. Um, and it's the colliding of that is you know it's it, you know it's the it's the light, the torch paper and stand back and that's where you get the collision of this and you get that sort of the ultimate peaking of his rage
2: yeah and i think you know it's important to show as well how he you know because he, he kind of like cradles her at one point doesn't he and yeah. says you're gonna stay with me forever mummy. and i think it's that where it reminds us again that this is this is not just some guy that's messed up because, you know, he wants to get a leg over on some poor, poor young girl. Like you said, you yeah. know, it's not that at all. It's he's actually he's been emasculated continuously since a young boy and he's actually looking To collect almost these women that, you know, he sees they have elements of his mother and this one, her very much so, because she is, you know, she's kind of older. She's, I think, very similar to the mother in many ways.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, and even in, you know, at that party, you've got the boyfriend who's such a dick.
2: Oh, he's he's the fucking worst. I don't know what, and even Anna says it herself, doesn't she? I don't yeah. know why I I decided to go out with him. I'm like, yeah, too right. But I must say. Anna clearly doesn't have very good taste in men because she goes for a douchebag and then Frank. So, yeah. yeah, you know, I think she could have chosen
0: slightly better when it comes to men. Yeah, I think a radar's a little bit off somewhere. But, he's, yeah. he, but he questions his sexuality. You've got the next door neighbour who's a friend of Anna's thinks that, you know, Frank is gay. Um, yeah. So again, he's further emasculated in, in front of her. And then you get this, this sort of older woman who is just talking down to him and belittling him and saying about you know that idea you just think to yourself where she's having that dialogue with him about destroying his mannequins
2: yeah it's like she's talking about destroying the one you know his life's work that means so much to him it is actually that's what I mean. You kinda of go, eh, maybe maybe
0: she deserved a bit of a scalping. A, a bit of a scalp <laughs> maybe just a little, you know, short back and sides. But yeah. yeah not yeah. not the full thing. No. not number zero. No, no. <laughs> but you just think, oh my God, this is again, it's the it's it's the train coming down the tracks, isn't it? And nobody is moving. Yeah. Nobody is moving. Um and then obviously we've we get we get to the point where you know, Rita, you know, the the agent has gone missing and Anna's upset. And I love the way the boyfriend, does he go to yoga or does he, he goes? Go- he goes, he flies all the way back to New York. Yes, that's right. For something. um,
2: And yeah, I think even Frank says, but why did he go to New York? And that's when she goes, yeah, uh, it's kind of like, yeah, he's a bit of a douchebag. If she's because uh, she's in, she's in, a, she's in a state, you know? Yeah. Of course, her her agents just been butchered um, during her show as well.
0: Yeah, and then obviously it all the truth comes out, and then we get the neighbor who comes to tries to come to Anna's rescue, and the most there's that amazing scene with the butcher knife in the mouth.
2: I love, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) love is maybe not the right word, but it's um, it's a fantastic scene where the, the you know the big knife just kind of hacks straight through his uh mouth
0: to create i guess almost like a big joker smile but, but however the, the one bit that got me was when he talked about i'm an actor and i've just booked a commercial and what was the commercial for Ah, uh, for sparkling white teeth <laughs> she's just, she just like oh no <laughs> Poor thing. He's just... Uh, yeah, he's not going to get that commercial anymore, is he? Imagine him showing up <laughs> on set looking like that. Oh, God. that Just that moment where... And I mean, he really swings that. He really connects Yeah, It's just horrific. It's absolutely horrific. And then we get to sort of where we get Anna's... Um, you know, where him and Anna sort of have their struggle and things. And it's just... I mean, in the original, she survives, doesn't she? She does, yeah. And I think,
2: um, well, in this, there's there's times, isn't there, where it looks like she's going to survive because we have this scene yeah. in the apartment where he's, he's chasing her. Um, and I, I really love this scene because it's it's again it's super immersive because you know at times it starts to go quite blurry if she hits him yeah um you know it's quite all over the place it's it's i find it's and maybe entire the entire film is quite disorientating at times yeah um Because, you know, here he is, he is trying to get her and, you know, she's got this knife and he gets cut a couple of times. And I was reading as well how they filmed these things. And apparently it was Elijah Wood with the AD with a stunt double for the left hand, Elijah Wood for the right hand and then the AD. Um And they said, you know, they they had to work all three of them together, almost like a dance to get it to work with all the things. And I think, you know, when you watch that sequence in the apartment, it must have
0: been really tough to get it right. And it's done and... so well. It is done so well. So well, yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about sort of, you know, I, I think a, a prime example of things getting done really badly uh, with Shaky Cam is Rob Zombie's 31. Yeah. Um, to the point, And I'm... a and I say it every time you mention. It. I'm a bit of a Rob Zombie apologist. I am. I am a bit of a Rob Zombie <laughs> apologist. And, you know, however, his is most recent output, not, uh, uh, sorry, Rob, you got it wrong. But 31 is terrible. It's <laughs> fucking awful. And the camera going everywhere. It's just like this is just migraine-inducing. But this is done so well in Maniac. It is done. It. It. it you know. It's the perfect example of how what can be achieved from a point of view
2: well I think you know yeah what can be achieved when people work hard and they have you know hard-working actors and cast and crew that you know have a vision in mind um and I think yeah it's and then of course you know you've got Anna there and she's she's I think you know she's uh fantastic in this sequence again it's it's very similar to the you know the train the train the underground train yeah. station hunt where he's hunting her around the apartment and she's the it's just the fear that comes through the screen i think is i think it's you know what the the way they achieved that comes down to of course you know the way it was shot but also um the actress, Nora, she's she's spot on. Yeah, in absolutely. That. Absolutely perfect in that scene.
0: Absolutely. And even, and I mean, even the, the sort of, when you think she's got away, um, you know, and a spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it, it was released in 2012, tough shit. Um, <laughs> but that moment where, you know, she, she gets in the car with a guy and you think, oh, she's getting away. And then the bloke tries to run him over. It's like, yeah. And then crashes, and then he goes back and he's looking for her, and you can't see her. And then you realise she's gone through the windscreen.
2: Yeah, and she's, I mean, poor thing. She's, uh, she's not. She, she doesn't get a good run towards the end at all, and she's not. just lying there, isn't she? Yeah, dying on the floor. Um, and one thing I do really like about these, this kind of these parts, because it flits throughout the whole, you know, culmination with Anna is uh, when Frank thinks back to the times he spent with Anna and we see the things that we didn't see when he was having the conversation. Because I think think one thing is the entire film we're kind of going, oh, but, you know, when did he get the idea that Anna wanted to be with him? When did he ever think it was going to be more than you know a friendship or anything Uh, and then he has these flashbacks where you see Anna actually she did touch his hand she was you know planting those seeds of Frank I like you I maybe you know want to be with you so I think that's one of the reasons why he's so desperate to have her and he says as well doesn't he all I wanted is just to be with you just to have you Um, and it's, it's different his what he wants from her is almost different to the other girls. She's the one that was attainable, that was his, you know, prized possession that was going to make all his problems go away. Yeah. But of course, as soon as she found out who he really was, of course, she was scared of him again. And I think it's, It makes it really human um, and makes Frank a far more human character because you kind of go, oh, you know, she was was making him feel a certain way and he did maybe want to just be with her. I don't think he ever wanted to kill her. No,
0: no, no. And, like, even when he's, like, carrying her into the apartment and obviously he's hallucinating and all of his other mannequins are talking to him and, you know, throughout the film, there' there's moments where he's laid on the bed with these things and he's using the fly spray um yeah. it's just uh, it's disgusting uh, but <clears throat> you know and he's kind of, he's he's still hallucinated he still believes that this is going to be the moment that it you know it's all going away it's she's gonna be with him forever
2: yeah and he and he shouts doesn't he You yeah. know you've got the other female saying oh you just want this and he's like don't listen to them I just want to be with you you're my wife now I, I love you you know and all the other women are almost they are everything that he hated about his mother yes personified around him whereas Anna she was the opposite of that she was the the one person that actually made him feel yeah like a man that was wanted for who he was and yeah. I think it's and that's where it kind of makes me you know yeah. it does make me sad and you do kind of go he's not the worst person and I can understand some of the things he's done and I think that then makes it feel even worse because you're kind of going oh Am I making you know? Am I beginning to understand him a bit, which yeah, is, yeah. but that, he's
0: horrible. You get that moment where he, you know, he's having that like the psychotic break, I suppose, and they tear his face off. Oh, it's the
2: that that ending scene is. I love it. It's so good,
0: and it, I think you know, it, it it sort of they tear his face off, and there's the mannequin's face underneath it, and. It's that sort of, he is almost being complete, not only throughout the film, is he sort of slowly sort of, um, emas- you know, over the years, he's been completely emasculated. He's been sort of, he's been desexualized. And then finally, he's been totally dehumanized. Yeah. Totally they're, dehumanized. They're literally,
2: you know, destroying him in every way possible i mean they rip his leg off they rip his arm off like you said they rip his face off i think they even pull his guts out of his. i mean it's a very very extremely gory violent scene um but i think it yeah it kind of is the culmination of all of the things that have you know that turned him into a serial killer women basically yeah Destroying him and dehumanizing him, like you said,
0: you know, and this, it is, it's a, it, you know, this film is exhausting. It is exhausting yeah. to watch. You do feel you, you feel like you've been through the ringer after watching it. There's there's never that moment where you kind of go, oh gosh, it's just quite a, a little light jaunt around, the, <laughs> you know. It, it, there's never that sort of it, it. You you go through the ringer in this, and you you yeah you definitely feel you need time to recover afterwards yeah
2: you do it is uh, a <clears throat> and you know you know i love my extreme films and i love ones that you know are, are hard to watch but i think Maniac often it doesn't get mentioned enough as as one of the harder more brutal films to watch because like you said I think exhausting is the perfect way to put it and I have I have seen this film many a times but yeah afterwards it it does leave me exhausted I do I don't think I could watch Maniac and then watch another horror afterwards no you just Um, you know you wouldn't sort of follow it with martyrs no no exactly um who i realized i said earlier that that was by alexandra azure it's by pascal
0: uh, Ah, yeah
2: they all everything you know it all muddles into one doesn't it after you've seen so many but um yeah i mean i showed my i showed my boyfriend maniac and i i wasn't sure what he'd think of it to be honest because he's when it comes to extreme is you know there's there's lines um but even he said he was like that's an absolutely he was like it's maybe a bit more extreme than I would typically want to see but he was like but I was so engrossed in it and I couldn't take my eyes away even though I wanted to and afterwards he was like it was horrible but also I would watch it again but I need time and I think that's that's the you know that's what when you look at Maniac, like <clears throat> it's, uh, yeah, it does really keep you gripped the whole way through, even when you kind of go, oh, "I don't want to see anymore."
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, what I love, and the other, I mean, the other thing as well that absolutely sort of punctuates this entire film is the is the incredible score, is the incredible yeah. score. Uh, oh, Rob- it's Robin, stunning, Robin Coudet, um and it's fantastic. It is, it, it's just, it's absolutely, and, I, and I'm, I am a big sucker for synth. I love a bit of synth, Wave. I've,
2: uh, I've
0: grown to love the synth. I didn't used to like
2: it, but I have a newfound appreciation yeah. for a, a synthy track.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I love, like, you know, I even, you know, I, I've got to, you know, I'm slightly obsessed with, like, Goblin um, and, you know, band, you know groups like that. And it's it sort mm-hmm. of, um, it just it it's it it's it, it sort of shreds it's quite it's, it's almost to the point of great dim, yeah, and it works so well with this it just it just fits beautifully um, well, and
2: it's it's a one of those you know as you mentioned one of the nods to the eighties film which um you know it it does it does transport this two thousand and twelve film to feeling like a film that does come from the eighties which i yeah. think is I like that even though they made kind of a completely different film, they still went, but we're going to appreciate the history that comes with this, with those small nods, like the synth track, like some of the scenes, um, which I think is, you know, I think that is filmmakers being appreciative of the things that inspire them.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, is there anything that we've missed out? Do you think? Is there anything else we need? If you were if you were coming to the Maniac for the first time, what would be the key moments for you? What would be the key, you know, to recommend it to somebody? Oh, it's a tough film to recommend to people. That's for certain. And I think that um, is the that's the, that is the thing, though, isn't it? With the French with, with the new French extreme sort of cinema, is and I've said it before in the show. It's not like you can turn around and ever like recommend Irreversible to somebody. No. No, it's I I
2: personally see them as films is that you don't typically go to as a recommendation because there's a lot of problems around recommending <laughs> films like this. And, you know, you'll definitely get some people coming back going, well, we are not going to talk to you ever again. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, if I was trying to sell Maniac to someone that hasn't seen it, I would say that it's. Don't go in thinking it's a slasher film because it's not. It's really not. It's a a piece of exploitation cinema. But at the same time, it is a really important film that's very intelligent. It will provoke anyone that's watching it. um, And it will leave you with uh, a lot of questions about psychological elements when it comes to serial killers and also yourself. I think it's... um, A film that is, yeah, very, very underrated, uh, but really shows off, is a great showcase for how you can do a horror film that combines a lot of different elements from a lot of different films and just produces this kind of, almost in a way, a kind of beautiful yet really brutal piece of intelligent filmmaking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you I think you've nailed it nailed right in the head. Spot on. Scalped it. Scalped it. <laughs> Rip that sucker right off. Now you're here is the ultimate question. On a scale of one to ten, one being the worst, ten being the best, how would you rate this one?
2: This for me gets a ten out of ten. I um yeah, I I can't fault it. I absolutely adore this film. Um even though it's it's a toughie.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a night It's it's like a nine nine point five for me. Um, it's it's just a it's a phenomenal film. It is a fantastic piece of cinema, um, and it's I I would say it it, it it like I said it borders art. It borders art house at times, uh, but without ever being insulting to you, because yeah. I do find myself sort of getting quite sort of like uh, I. I kind of avoid those kind of things and instantly when something veers over to that sort of neck of the woods, I'm instantly like, right, I'm done, I'm out. Oh, I've tried so many times with some kind of,
2: you know, certain art house films that's like, oh, it's really important. And I'm watching, I go, I'm like, it's either pretentious bullshit or it's just boring. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I've, I've hit the hour mark and, um, And he's you know. still sat there staring at a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah and the paint is not dry No no you know it's 4 hours to dry so we've got another 3 to
0: go <laughs>
1: Yes
0: It's like oh you 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 know, you, you got to check out this latest Bratislavian director I mean his his work <laughs> is so amazing it's just a guy with a tuning fork playing a banjo while juggling <laughs> it's it, it's such a com- it's such it's such a commentary on the current state of it's just fuck off No yeah. no go away leave me alone please Please. Exactly. Watch Maniac yes, instead. Watch Maniac instead. Tobo, our time has drawn to an end. Thank it you has. so much for being on again. It's been wonderful having you on. Uh, and we definitely, like we said, door is always open. So just kick it straight down and come and walk on in. And I'm sure we'll be able to get you back on very, very soon.
2: Well, next time I'm on, maybe you know another remake. I think you know I'm liking this controversial. Uh, better than the original remake, yes, run d- that we're doing. I think we can keep
0: it going. <laughs> I think there may there may be a few out there that we can have a look at definitely, most definitely <laughs> now before we sign off, where can the good people find you on the social media diseases? They can find me on
2: um twitter uh that's Sobo with shotgun, and then I'm on Facebook, Instagram pretty much every social media uh, that's out there is
0: just Zobo with a shotgun. Fantastic, fantastic. Once again, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me, Hugh. No worries. Take care now. OK, once again, I would like to say a massive thank you to Zobo for being on. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Honestly, it was great talking, Maniac, because it's just a great film. It's a great film. Get out there and watch it, guys. It's available on Netflix. Um, and I think you can pick it up reasonably reasonably cheap on Blu-ray and DVD. Now, up next, we have got... What the Wookiee Watched? Okay, up first, we have got... Greetings from Tromaville from 2017. Let's check out the trailer.
1: We're going to talk about... Uh... Troma Incorporated. What's the age uh, you're trying to reach with your movies? All All ages. All ages. All ages. I think Troma's films are important because of the rebelliousness, the independent spirit of them. They question authority. They really make cultural and political points and raise important issues. Greetings from
0: Tromaville. There's, like, extremely strong work ethic people.
1: And then there's people that are like actually crazy. Both of those flourish in Trauma. Greetings from Tromaville. Why does Lloyd's films keep getting more popular over the years? Because they're entertaining. Oh! Uh, greetings from Tromaville! Lloyd has always said it doesn't really matter what equipment you have, you just have to go out there and do it. Oh, oh. Well, now you're in safe, haven, <laughs> calm, quiet, relaxing trouble. All your cares just dissolve away. I'm 23 and I am to What you believe in, do what's in your heart, and uh, you'll be an artist.
0: That was the trailer for Greetings from Tromaville from 2017. Now, Greetings from Tromaville is a documentary, um, and as you probably guessed from the title, it's all about Troma, uh, probably the last um, great independent studio um of course you know puts out has put out wonderful amazing films like uh, you know the Toxic Avenger movies uh Class of Newcomb High uh Sergeant Kabuki Man um NYPD this is a wonderful wonderful truly independent uh company that makes some of the goriest silliest cleverest movies out there and the documentary follows Uh, the history of Troma and it's narrated uh, mostly by Lloyd Kaufman, um, who is absolutely fascinating uh, to listen to. I really, really enjoyed this. It's available on Amazon Prime um, and what I love about this is you get this sense of the struggle and you get the sense that Troma is, you know, very, very much the outsiders and they don't care. They are, you know, they're, they're sort of They're very, very punk in so many elements, and I love it. It's absolutely superb. Um, Like I said, it's a documentary, but for me, it's an 8 out of 10, and it's a must-see for anybody with an interest in filmmaking or history of film. It's true. It's really, really, really good. Um, So go and check that out. That's on Amazon Prime. Okay, up next, we've got another documentary. I know, a little bit documentary-heavy, but, you know, got to expand your brain, guys got to expand your brain um so this one is also available on amazon prime and it is the haunting of mr james let's check out the trailer <laughs>
1: Every great story starts with a journey and for us it starts on the North Norfolk Railway, a location much loved by filmmakers shooting period melodrama and of course a featured television location for A Warning to the Curious, as directed by Lawrence Gordon-Clark. Our intention is to explore the vexing question, did M. R. James believe in the paranormal? Much of what has been reported suggests that, on the surface at least, James had an open mind, due largely to numerous of his own brushes with experiences either preternatural or which could be interpreted or misinterpreted as such. Despite what was surely an intellectual wrestling with the possibilities, James never publicly made any admission to such beliefs. Our view is that he did and we hope to convince you that there was so much more depth and secrecy to the character of James, which has largely been left unexplored, and that his own experiences greatly contributed to his work in the realm of the paranormal. And if M. R. James is considered the father of the modern ghost story, then Lawrence Gordon Clark, the highly innovative BBC director of many of James's successful television stories, and Jonathan Miller, who directed the earlier BBC production, of Whistle and I Come to You My Lad are certainly the masters of interpretive landscaping with their wonderful yet almost minimalist productions brought to the delight of viewers on the small screen across the English-speaking world. And so we focus on two stories for our investigation, the original text of Oh Whistle and I Come to You My Lad and A Warning to the Curious. As well as on Whistle and I Come to You, which Miller produced in 1968 and the later production by Clark in 1971 of A Warning to the Curious, we will show you why the original locations were moved elsewhere along the East Anglian coast and why these interpretations actually sit much closer to the spirit of James's storytelling, which I'm sure the great man would have improved of.
0: Okay, that was the trailer for The Haunting of uh, Mr. James uh, from 2019. Now, uh, as most people know, listen to the show, I'm a huge fan of Mr. James um, and a ghost story at Christmas. and It's something that I have a bit of a tradition that we've started doing on the show here. And at some point, we're going to get around to doing a few more. Um, I'm really, really interested by him. And I think he's an absolutely fascinating character. Um, this is a really interesting documentary. At times... It's a little dry. Um, it's directed by Jason Figgis. Uh, it is presented by Ursula Belewski and Chris Halton. Um, lots of it is shot on location. And it explores the themes of M.R. James's books and how it is presented in film. But also poses the question of was MR James um, a, um, somebody who had experienced a haunting himself which then led to the influences on his work or or what did it was he heavily influenced by his dreams um for me that kind of element of the documentary kind of sort of it's kind of presented and it's toyed around with um and it's not a really overly interesting part of the documentary what is interesting about it is the analysis of his work um the locations and some of the you know some of the things that were behind his work and some of the history about mr james um like i said at times it's dry um there's not a massive amount of money behind this documentary but it is very very good quality um again you can find it on amazon prime um and i give this a seven out of ten so ladies and gentlemen our time draws to an end and once again look we're still all going through it at various stages you know we're here in wales we're still in lockdown um, I know things are loosening up a little bit over the bridge there with you guys, but please, and our listeners all around the world as well. Please, please stay safe, keep washing your hands, keep the social distancing going and stay safe. And in the immortal words of Count Dracula, good night up there. Whatever you